there, everyone. This is Brayden and Tally with the voice of my beloved podcast. And uh, we are going to be talking about this verse here. This is Sarah Edwards singing Dark But Lovely. And uh, this is the verse that we're going to be starting out with uh, on this podcast. But before we do, we had a couple of things we wanted to talk about. The first being Shavuot. We have, we are officially going to be doing a Shavuot gathering here at the end of the month, at the end of the month of May. And so we're excited about that. It'll be the first gathering we've been able to do here for a while. So since Hanukkah, really. Uh, so, or pouring. We did a little gathering for pouring. So, uh, yeah, so we're excited about that. Registration is open. uh, So if you want to find out more information, it's loveandpurity.com. I'll get you to the page there. Um, Yeah, what's the next thing? Okay, uh, next thing. We've got, oh, the Omer. Yes, if you're out there and you're looking for a handy little tool to count the Omer with, we developed a song a couple years ago and the children love it. So it goes... Okay, don't think Israeli when we're saying this, okay? (laughs) Get ready. So it goes... (laughs) Today's day 20, there's 30 days to go. It It takes 50 days to get us to our goal. So let's get ready, ready, set, go. 30 more days till we get the Shavuot. Woo! (laughs) You can get excited with it, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it's just a fun song just to count down the days and just to kind of build anticipation because this is what they would have been doing back in ancient times. They're counting down the days looking forward you know you count down days to something you're looking forward to so this is a, a great thing to do yep yep we're getting super excited eddie's got a little dance he does to it every night so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we're getting closer to shavuot and uh we just here at the base we've been uh celebrating um well last night we celebrated israel's um yom ha'atzma'ut which is israel's independence day and that was really fun the day before that was yom hazikaron the israel's memorial day uh they're backed up right right next to each other and so uh we've had a special time here of, of remembering uh, what all God has done in this story of Israel, the modern day of Israel and the Jewish people over the past hundred, hundred, a uh, little more than a hundred years. And it's, it's incredible. And so, uh, yeah, I just really wanted to encourage everyone. If you're not aware of the story of Israel's rebirth, today is a really good day to go and get connected. <laughs> go and uh, look at uh, just what an amazing miracle it was, how it came about, the, uh, the players, all the important players that were there. We had, uh, we had a party last night here, a, a party just with our people here on, on base. And we, had, we basically... Hayuvel did it, uh, a bunch of people, a couple people from Hayuvel. They basically went through the, the story, uh, the timeline of leading up to the in Israel's Independence Day. And so we had speeches from Theodore Herzl and Ben-Gurion and Golda Meir. And Braden was Eliezer Ben-Yehuda talking about restoring this uh, old ancient language. And it was just, it was a really powerful time. I think I was crying through a lot of it just out of, just out of the awe of, of just remembering. We live in this generation. That we, <laughs> oh, it's just, it's so mind boggling to me and just watching it 
and just just realizing just how huge it is like what God is doing what he's done and what he's continuing to do that we're we get to sit here and be a part of this story it's incredible yeah. what, so. what excites me is just realizing God is at work in the world and oh, yeah. and he's making ready the bride you know this is the, our whole series here on the song of songs is about the bride being made ready uh-huh. and he, she's going to be ready when when the bridegroom comes and so this is so so uh, inspiring. Oh, yeah. And this is totally paralleled with the story of Israel. Uh, it's This is, you know, this is no co- coincidence that the land of Israel is being awakened in this day and age at the same time that the body of Messiah is crying out and really tr- um, trying to grasp a hold of this identity of this bridal identity. More so than just cultural Christianity. It, oh, so yeah. We want to be connected to the bridegroom. Right. right? We're not right. just doing our our religious, you know, just, uh, our perfunctory religious, uh, rituals, you right, know, right. <laughs> like this is just what our cult. No, we, we want to be connected and ready for the bridegroom. Yeah. And realizing this is all part of the story. And I think that is such a huge thing, like seeing what's playing out today and realizing God's hand in it and that it's all a part of the story. And I think it's, it's just an, an awesome thing and it gets me, gets me really excited. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're excited, uh, to, to continue here with the Song of Solomon. We are at verse five. Yes, so jumping in, I'll read this verse. It says, I am dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. This verse really profoundly impacted me early on in my walk with Yeshua. And what what this verse is speaking of, the bride is you know, she, in the beginning, she's crying out for intimacy with God. She's, you know, she's basically born again. You could say she's, she's had this revelation of the, the loving savior, the, the passionate bridegroom, but all of a sudden now we're getting down verse five of chapter one, and she's realizing she's got immaturity in her life. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm dark, right? She's, and late, later on a few verses down, she says, uh, the sun has tanned me. It says, do not look upon me. The sun has tanned me. I am dark. And so she's, she's saying this in a negative way. I, I'm dark. And so this darkness is connected to the tents of Kedar. She says, like the tents of Kedar, I'm dark. And we know historically the tents of Kedar are made of this dark material. And it speaks of more than that. Uh, Kedar was second son of Ishmael, lived off in the nomadic tribes. And a lot of them were war-loving. We see in Psalm 120, the first psalm in the series of Psalms of Ascent, this is like the first step in the journey that the pilgrim there, he's saying, woe is me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. You know, he's, he's like, oh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to <laughs> be among all this, this war. You know, you read Psalm 120 and this is, it's a place of tension, this place of battle, war, you know, just, it's not, not nice. Mm-hmm. And so here the, uh, the bride in the beginning as well, she says, I, I'm like the tents of Kedar. Don't look on me. I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of this. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ashamed of, of this dark. And so understanding the times as well, a person that was tanned was considered, it was like a lower class. You know, the princesses were in palaces. They were protected from the sun, right? The sun had not tanned them. So she's saying, I'm dark, but I'm lovely. There's something on the inside of me, a transformative work that's happened on the inside of me. I'm lovely. So she refers to the curtains of Solomon, which are a reference to the curtains within Solomon's temple. Uh, is, is one way of understanding this verse. And so the curtains of Solomon, this place of beauty inside of the temple, the curtains of Solomon, but I'm lovely. 
like the curtains of Solomon. So even though on the outside, I've got these immaturity, I've got these, you know, these, these, these battles that are raging mm-hmm. all around me, uh, you know, as far as my immaturity are causing these. It's, it's a marking <laughs> almost of the hardship. You know, it's yeah. like you're marked by hardship. Like it's, it, life hasn't been easy. It hasn't been, you know, perfect. You haven't been un, untouched by the struggle. This right. is like markings of the struggle and the, it's right. like scars, you know, it's like, you, you know, I, I think of that, like, um, you're dark, like you're, when you have been out in the sun, there's a, a continual reminder of your, you know, you get little brown blotches, you get like freckles or, or you have this dark. Um, and so there's, you know, and even with the tents of Kedar, you know, that it, it shows that reference to the struggle, the war that's going on. And yeah, it's hard. It's going to, it's going to mark you, you know, (laughs) right. You're not like these delicate curtains that have never seen, (laughs) you know, just been so delicately, you know, and perfectly placed and everything. Yeah. It is somewhat in our kind of our dream world, like our utopia. We want to just, we don't, we don't want trials. We don't want the immaturity (laughs) of other people even, you know, much less our own immaturity. (laughs) We don't want that to be affecting us, but this, this is the journey of the bride. She says, I'm dark, but lovely. And so what happens sometimes in the beginning of our journey is we only see the darkness. We only see, and, and the enemy beats us the up struggle. with condemnation. They all, yeah. you know, the enemy wants to point out how immature we are, how dark we are. But the bride, she realizes though, from her initial interactions with the bridegroom, there's something lovely in her too. And so in the midst of her immaturity, she still holds on to this truth that, oh, but my bridegroom sees something on the inside, like the mm-hmm. curtains of Solomon. Mm-hmm. She, he sees this redemptive work that has begun on the inside. So mm-hmm. as we go through this journey with the bride, it's her basically maturing from the inside out, right? She, mm-hmm. she's, uh, she's growing. She, this transformative work that has begun in her heart is going to then become something that's part of her whole life, mm-hmm. you know, and she's, go, she's going to overcome the shame. Mm-hmm. She's going to overcome the condemnation that she's, she's wrestling through at this point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, she, yeah, there's two com- contrasting things that she compares herself to. The tents of Kedar, as I mentioned, they're over in Jordan, far away from, you know, the biblical framework was God dwells in Jerusalem, right? And so uh, she, in these beginning stages, like the pilgrim in Psalm 120, she's far away. She's far away. You know, you go to the end of the journey of the Psalms of Ascent, she's in the presence of God, right? Mm-hmm. She's in Jerusalem in the presence of God. So basically, you could also interpret this verse as saying, Yes, I'm like the tents of Kedar. I'm, I'm on one hand, I'm I'm feeling far away in some ways because I'm not where I hope to be, mm-hmm. you know, as far as maturity goes. Uh-huh. But that there's also heavens in my heart as well. You right. know, I I'm because of the work that Yeshua has done. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a spiritual reality where I am close to Him. So right. it's like this tension that's going on, and so uh, it's aiming for that that prize mm-hmm. in, in the beginning here, and, and not losing that because how many people lose that vision for growing, mm-hmm. for maturing in faith because the enemy just beats them up where they are mm-hmm. and they don't, they just don't know how to move forward. And so, but as we learn the, the truths of Song of Solomon, it helps us to hold on to that ideal of being lovers of God, of being ones that pursue him as the goal of our life. Mm-hmm. So moving along second Corinthians five, and this is just speaking of this, this kind of this angst that's going on. Uh, it says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan. There's this groaning. Oh, we're longing for that 
that perfection. We're longing for that, that purity. For in this tent, we groan, like we're in the tents of Kedar. There's this place of just grappling with our, our lack. For in this tent, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may, may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. God's given us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee of that, that glory that's coming. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're in that journey. We're in that journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colossians 3, 3 says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That, that's a picture of those curtains of Solomon. Like there's a place of being hidden with God in Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, uh, you know, this is our down payment, you could say, you know, yeah. we, we have that inner work going on. The hidden place <laughs> is that the curtains of Solomon, it's still kind of hidden, but it needs to be called out, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole part of encouragement, you know, encouraging people, you know, yes, you may be struggling through something right now, but call forth that which is, is in seed form. You could say, you mm-hmm. know, it's that, that redemptive work is in seed form call it forth, call it forth in your friends, call it forth in your family. I, I so appreciate being surrounded by exhorters, you know, in, in my early days, uh, you know, definitely had times where, you know, uh, rebukes, but there was a much very, my mother and father were, were very much exhorting me to calling forth that seed that had been planted in my life, calling it forth and, you know, maturing God, mature in what God has planted in you. And it's we need that. Yeah. Yeah. It's in there. You just got to call it forth. And it takes time. Yeah. You know, if you've, if you've done any farming, it takes time for plants to grow. Yeah. And you got to have that, have that faith for people around you, your friends, your family. Yeah. And it also requires a heavenly vision. I think, you know, to really be able to see past the tents of Kedar and see the curtains of Solomon. Right. And that's like, it, it's the, it's what Yeshua does for us. That's what he does for us. He sees, you know, he looks past the tents of Kedar and he looks, at the um the the curtains of Solomon that's inside you know that that's there it just needs to be you know it just needs to be brought forth there needs to be a journey to get there you know and the journey is hard and the journey is long and but if you give up you never get to that place you know you never get to the house of God you never get to the curtains of Solomon you never if you give up on it and so that's what's so important is is holding on to that heavenly peace that this is, you know, this is really who I am at the end of this. This is who I am. This right. is who I'm going to be. Right. Not being defined by sin, right. but by being defined by who God says we are. Yeah. And I think sometimes this revelation can, can, it can be abused. You know, people use something like this to say, well, you know, make excuse for immaturity, make an excuse for sin. I don't see it that way. I see it. The best way I could explain it, it would be uh, a child, you know, like I'll say our two-year-old, we have a two-year-old Eddie is his name. And he, he makes mistakes, right? He, he's, you know, he, he could be parallel to someone, maybe you say newly born again. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's not been born for that long. He's, he's young. He's learning a lot. He's learning how to walk. He's learning how to talk. He makes mistakes. Now he gets disciplined at times, just like God disciplines us. He loves us. We dearly love our little boy. Mm-hmm. But whenever he makes a mistake, he's confident in our love for him. He's, he doesn't spend a lot of time beating himself up about the mistakes he makes. You know, and so I think that's where the enemy kind of gets the upper hand sometimes Mm -hmm. is where, where this revelation I know in my own life was huge is that I realized that there was mercy when I turned to God, even in my immaturity. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I was, you know, willfully wanting to be immature. It's just a part of the process. Yeah. You know, you have to extend that grace to yourself to realize you're not 
fully mature. You know, we're not, we're on this journey to maturity and realizing that God's mercy, we turn to him in our, in our brokenness, in our need, and then he meets us and gives us the grace to overcome. Yeah. It's not an excuse for sin, but it helps us to keep moving forward even when we feel like maybe in our own in our own selves that, you know, how do I keep, how could God even want me to move forward, you know? Right, right. But he sees something lovely. Yeah, well, it, it's, you know, like looking at the Psalms of Ascent journey, uh, it would be so sad for someone to say, I'm here in the tents of Kadar and this is just who I am. This is just, you know, and then you don't make the journey. You never get to the end, you know, and, you know, like uh, if, you know, for those of you who have listened to the Psalms of Ascent, the Psalms of Ascent, it was full of ups and downs. Right. I mean, that's what the whole journey was. It was full of, of um, victories and, and struggles and um, continuing to press on. But that's the important thing is pressing on, never saying I am, this is who I am. I'm just dark. I, uh, I live within the, you know, in Meshech with the tents of in Kedar, you know, it's never settling and saying that, um, but continuing in the journey. And I think that's the, that's the important part. But I think that that's something that we as, as believers are, are tasked with is to see that um, that end goal as we look at our brothers and sisters and calling people up to that higher place, like calling them out, seeing it, and being able to to lovingly call call them out and into that place. Which I've loved um, the uh, the you know the the Psalms thirty one the first part says um, who can find a virtuous wife uh, a virtuous woman and uh, and I, I love, you know, we heard a teaching once that was just saying um, the, this whole thing of like, who can find her? It's almost like a task. Like, can you see her? She's right there, you know? And I think that's what our, our task is as believers to say, find it. Find it in your brothers and sisters. Find that virtuous wife. Find the bride that the curtains of Solomon, just try to find that in them. And as you find that, you'll be able to love them and call it out better. Whereas if all you see is the tents of Kedar, you're going to keep them in the tents of Kedar. That's the only thing you're good for. But if you see the curtains of Solomon, if you can see that glimpse of what is to come at the end of the journey, you can call it out and you can call them forth to continue the journey. Yeah, it just gives hope overall. You yeah. Know, otherwise, we're just like just in the mire. It's like, oh, we just got to make it through this life, you know. Right. You know, but no, there's there's something God wants us to press for, mm-hmm. press on for. So, question: Why is she lovely? You know, how how can she say I am lovely? And, and I just want to read this passage here: Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new cre- creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And a lot of us are familiar with this verse, but this is one of the reasons why. As the bride of Messiah, this is one of the reasons why we're lovely. All things have become new. Mm-hmm. You know, we are in him now. And so part of our glory, part of our beauty is just that his nature is now in us. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the reasons why why the bride is lovely is because it has the nature of the bridegroom in her heart. And, and also, as we're saying, God sees what she is becoming. There's a great verse in Romans 4.17 says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, speaking of Abraham, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Mm-hmm. So here in Abraham's instance, you know, God's calling forth something that did not exist. You know, that Abraham was going to have, you know, 
children like the stars of the heavens, right? And that didn't exist, but he's calling it forth. And so in the same way, when God looks at the bride, you know, as immature, as you know, needy and lacking as she is at mm-hmm. this point in time, he's, he, he wants to call forth those things which are not as though they are. And, right. and there's, there's such a power. And that's why Paul, I believe, encourages, says, I would that you all prophesied. When we prophesy, when we speak forth God's word, God's encouragement to one another, we're calling forth those things which are not as though they were. And just really sowing into that, that the, that the bride will be made ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I even just think of, you know, Abraham with this, like uh, we have to understand the promises that are spoken over us, spoken over us by Yeshua, you know, that we would be like him, you know, that, that we would be one with him. Uh, the, this is what we're called to. And just like Abraham, he had to keep holding on to the fact that God had promises for him or else he, he wouldn't have continued the journey. You know, he would have given up on the journey, but he held on to the promises even when he couldn't see them. And that's what helped him to go each step of the journey. You know, each trial, each thing that he was faced with, he kept on going forward. And so that's what we need is that um, we have to understand the promises that, that are spoken over us so that we can say, yes, I'm dark. I'm struggling right now. I have, you know, I've just gotten through a major battle. I totally messed it up. I've, I've gotten myself into a bad situation, but I'm lovely. Like I'm dark, but lovely. Like that's who I am. I know things look dark right now, but I'm headed towards lovely. That's, I know that that is in my destiny. That is who I am destined to be. And if you don't have that, you just stay in the messed up state. <laughs> you know, right. you just stay in that place of, of failure and being beaten up by the, by the enemy. Yeah. And cycles so, of shame. You yeah. know, just kind of re just replays itself out. Yep. Yep. So that's an encouragement. You know, I, I really encourage you all, if you're ever feeling like a failure, like a mess up, like you just can't do anything right. This is the verse for you. You need to like hang it up in your in your bedroom. Yes. I am dark but lovely. Listen to Sarah Edwards' song. You can find it right on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm dark, you say I'm lovely. Yeah, yeah, it's a powerful, it's a powerful understanding yep. to realize that God wants to call us forth. Mm-hmm. So verse six, it says, do not look upon me because I am dark, because the sun has tanned me. So We've already been talking about this, but she's ashamed. Uh, she's acutely aware of her immaturity. Yes, don't look at me. I, I'm not what I, you know, I'm not what I want to be. Uh, mm-hmm. She's she's talking about you know life under the sun. You know, Ecclesiastes talks a lot about this. You know, uh, the vanity of life under the sun. You know, the sun is Tammy. There's this spiritual understanding here of just you know living life in this world causes us to be you know beat up in some ways. And so, she says, don't look at me. I'm, I'm ashamed of who I am. Mm-hmm. She's humbled. Goes on, it says, my mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. And this is a very important verse, I believe here. Uh, You know, the mother's sons could be speaking of the body of Messiah. You know, whenever you see mother in the scripture, a lot of times it's referring to the body. You see a Galatians 419. Uh, These are a few verses from Paul, but then we'll look at uh, just how it refers to the body. But, you know, those that are bringing people to Messiah, you know, basically this, this partnership that the body of Messiah, you could say the mother 
and then they're they're bringing forth offspring, right? You know, the, the in partnership with uh, with the bridegroom in a way. You know, there's this kind of this mysterious connection of the body of Messiah being like the mother. But we see in Galatians four nineteen, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Messiah is formed in you. So Paul, he saw himself kind of as a mother. He's laboring to bring forth children that Messiah will be formed in the Galatians. And then First Thessalonians two seven. It says, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. And so uh, here again, you know, stay in that. We're, we're just, we're trying to nurture you as a mother would. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in, in the Song of Solomon, we see more references in, in uh, Song of Solomon 8.5. It says, I awakened you under the apple tree. There your mother brought you forth. There she who bore you brought you forth. And so here, you know, this, this whole connection of the mother bringing forth the bride. You know, mm-hmm. she's giving birth to something. And, uh, and this, so just this whole revelation of, uh, the mother is, is, is important to understand, you know, to, to really be thankful for the body. You know, I, I want to have a grateful attitude towards the body of Messiah that really brought me forth, you know, even mm-hmm. generations past that were, you know, giving birth to, you know, God's plan for humanity. Mm-hmm. And so, but anyway, uh, going back to the verse, it says, uh, my mother's sons were angry with me. And so here, you know, there's the, the way I understand this verse is that you know, it's carnal believers in the body. They're angry with, with the bride, you know, in her immaturity, they're angry with her. They make her the keeper of the vineyards. They basically, she's, she's zealous. So they're like, okay, she's a good candidate just to put to work, you know, put her to work. They're a little bit angry with her. She, you know, in, in the beginning, a lot of times you, you may have seen this or may have done it yourself in the beginning of your journey, you just, you're red hot, you know, and you end up offending people, you know, with your zeal. <laughs> and so, so, uh, you know, they're, they're, she's making these other, you know, a lot of them are carnal believers. They're, they're, she's kind of ruffling their feathers. So they made, she said, they made me the keeper of the vineyards. They put me to work and they're working me out in the sun. They're really, you know, using my zeal to accomplish their purposes, right? So, but my own vineyard, and this is really key, my own vineyard, I have not kept. So she's gotten away. It's a picture of her getting away from her first love, the vineyard or the garden throughout the the Song of Solomon refers to the state of her own heart. And so it's just, uh, it's so important, you know, whatever way we're serving in the body, just to, to realize it's so important to keep our own heart. You know, I encourage people all the time. It's like, okay, you know, you need to have a long-term vision. Mm-hmm. Where is, uh, you know, God wants you, at, you know, 10, 20 years from now to be stronger in the first commandment to love him than you are now. You know, and what, what steps are you going to take? You don't want to just work yourself into the ground mm. and not, you know, not basically take care of everybody else's needs yeah, and not take care of your own. Yeah. And I think this is especially true in ministry, which I think all of us are called to ministry. I even think of, you know, being an, an actual mother, <laughs> you know, uh, just how easy this can be is that you're so busy tending to, you know, your children to your husband, um, and your, you know, to your vineyards, <laughs> you know, that you, that have been placed in your, in your world and you're tending to them and you can, uh, run yourself into a spiritually dry place and, you know, into a vulnerable place where you're just easily dried out and burnt up. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that, you know, that's such an important thing as we all, uh, walk in the ministry that God has called us to in whatever place that that is. Yeah. It's, it's basically getting the first and second commandment flipped upside down, right? right? You know, it's, it's pursuing the, the second commandment is first instead of, you know, the other way around. So yeah, you pursue, you know, loving God, which is a heart. There's a heart communication. There's a place where we must set aside time 
to pursue God. Mm-hmm. So important. Uh, so in this place, she's she's rejected. She's she feels rejected. She's you know basically you know they're they're angry with her. She feels shame. She's mm-hmm. overworked. She's distracted from her first love. She is serving Yeshua at a distance. You know, we see in the next verses that follow, she says, tell me, oh, you whom I love, where you feed your flock. She's like, I, you know, I, I don't want to just be in this distant place with you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just to encourage you out there, you know, yes, serve people around you, serve your family, but don't neglect the vineyard of your own heart. And even people, you know, if you're, if you're connected, you know, I pray that you're connected in the body. You know, you're serving your local congregation, mm-hmm. serving people's needs. People are going to give you responsibilities but don't neglect your own vineyard. Don't neglect your own, you know, some people will, will neglect their own families even, you know, the, the, it's basically your, your personal sphere in a way, you know, there's, there's a lot of different levels you could interpret this, but yeah, don't be ministering to everyone else and not your own, your own children. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I also, you know, I just think of how many, how many times you can listen to that, um, that voice of the enemy that's saying you're not being, you know, you're not being treated well, you know, and it's this easily, it's this place of being easily offended. And I think that that, that comes when like the feeling of rejection, feeling of being overworked, abused, you know, (laughs) feeling the shame and, um, that, that, that comes when we aren't tending to our own spiritual walk, you know, and, and, you know, like, I just, I just think that's, that's an important thing, you know, instead of, cause in a lot of these cases, you can tend to shift all the blame to the person who's making you feel that way. You know, you're making me feel overworked. You're making me feel, um, rejected, unappreciated. Uh, you know, it can, it can turn into that very easily. And I think that's the place when we realize that that's going on in our heart, uh, to really be honest with ourselves and go, you know what, I need to, uh, release, uh, these, these people and, and instead really take a look at my vineyard. You know, why, you know, why am I so concerned about, about these people's vineyards and being appreciated by them and the work I'm doing in their vineyards where I, you know, how, how is mine doing? Am I, you know, am I really, uh, investing in the way that I should be in my relationship with Yeshua? Yes. So, so important. And uh, we know John 15, he says, you know, uh, that he says, my father is the vine dresser, right? He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. You are the branches. And so how important it is just encourage you out there, spend time with the father. You know, you have access to him through Yeshua. He's going to prune you. He's going to, he's going to get those, those vines. You know, if you leave a vineyard go, it's going to go into, I mean, I've seen unkept vineyards. They just go into (laughs) shambles, right? So you need to spend time, make a priority on spending that time in the morning, in the evening, whenever you have that time in the day, get time with the father, keep your vineyard. This is so key in the bride making herself ready. Yes. Yeah, so that's the encouragement. You know, as you all go out from here, if you're uh, feeling beat up, if you're feeling dark, <laughs> whether that's uh, you know something you've taken on yourself that you're beating yourself up, or you feel beat up by other people, just be encouraged to have a heavenly perspective and really see God and His heart for you. So this is Braden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly. Somehow my weak love, it has stolen.